Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Today's an exciting day on Fearless because for the first time, I've got to sit down and interview my dad, Franklin Graham. And for those who haven't listened to the previous episodes, I have shared with you of how I've struggled with my identity as Franklin Graham's daughter and the granddaughter of Billy Graham, especially when I was younger. And it wasn't until I was a freshman in college that my relationship and my love for my dad grew strong but also gain this respect of him, of how I watched God use this man who was obedient to the calling on his life and how he served through Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And so I'm excited to sit down here and have him share with you some of the things that he has taught me over the years. As you're listening, I want to clarify, I sat down and did this interview with my dad while I was serving in Alaska with Samaritan's Purse. And you're going to hear some noises, and that's his Uh, iced tea that he is drinking. My dad loves his iced tea. He has a pitcher for lunch and a pitcher in the evening at dinner time. But my dad's also going to reference some people that you might not know who they are, but have been important in his life and in both ministries that he serves in. So I'm going to include those people in my show notes that might give you a better understanding of who those people are. Dad, welcome to your very first podcast. Thank you, Sissy. I've been looking forward to this all day. Yeah. Can you sense the sarcasm in my dad's voice? (laughs) So we are in Alaska, um, Port Allsworth, Alaska, and this is a pretty special place for my family. Um, Dad, what year did you first bring our family to Port Allsworth? I think Sissy was probably um, 1994, 95 we first came up here. And my dad, for those, most of you will probably know, my dad's a pilot. And I, when people ask my dad about flying, I say it's his way of playing golf. So many men in this world, they play golf to relax and get out of the office and enjoy being with their friends. My dad, um, I don't know if you've ever stepped foot on a golf course, but you like to fly. Well, it's just something I do. And Sissy, I learned to fly when I was in college. Your grandfather uh, paid for my uh, my father paid for the lessons, and it's just something I've used all my life. And it's not just with that we use it uh, in recreation because I have a super cub, and you know that's kind of fun to fly. But we use it in the ministry. We have airplanes all over the world, and we fly. Um, and like here in Alaska, it's uh, Alaska is such a rural setting uh, to do ministry up here. You have to have airplanes to, to take people in and out of these little villages. And we, we build churches up here. We have the camp here for wounded veterans here at Port Allsworth, but there's no roads here. The only way you can get here is fly. So aviation has just been part of my life. It's just something I do. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, and in aviation, you're always learning. Uh, technology is always changing. So it's just, it's a way for your mind to always kind of get stretched a little bit. So I still enjoy it. And as you just mentioned, um, we started coming up as a family, and for us, it was a vacation. It was time to get Dad out of the office, and we just got to be a family up here. But now, in the last eight years, Samaritan's Purse has a wonderful project up here called Operation Heal Our Patriots, where they bring wounded veterans, and they bring up the couple. And it's really a week for them to focus on their marriage, to get spiritual counseling, and to be able to go up and enjoy seeing bears and go fishing and get to enjoy the Alaska outdoors. But... Another project we do up here in Alaska is the church builds. 
Well, this started, uh, Sissy, uh, I was up here, oh, this was about 20 years ago. We had a, um, a fire in a little native village out on the uh, Bering Sea, a place called Hooper Bay. And so um, there was a church out there, and the church had burned. Uh, there's a missionary by the name of Grant Funk, and um, we were asked by some Christians with Samaritan's Purse help. Well, at that time, Samaritan's Purse didn't have really a, a, much of a footprint here in Alaska. So I got a couple of guys, and we, we flew out to Hooper Bay, and it, it's a long way out there. And we landed, and went into town, looked at it, and I remember meeting with uh, some of the emergency state of Alaska emergency teams that were out there looking and assessing what they could do. And I just sat in the meeting. I said, well, we'll, we'll take eight houses by uh, November. And they all looked at me kind of like, that's not going to happen. And so, okay. Um, and I remember there was a Red Cross lady there. She said, what, what are you going to do? I said, we'll, we'll try to get eight houses built by November. And she said, oh, and, you know, I don't think anybody believed us and called Luther Harrison and said, Luther, we, we need to get to work. Um, I need you up here in Alaska. We need to build eight houses out here for these natives that have just lost everything when winter's coming. Okay. He came up, uh, Governor um, uh, at that time um, called him. Uh, his office, Jerry Prevo, helped me to get in touch with him. Uh, he told us who in the state we needed to work with and need to talk to. And we got him. And uh, it just started. And when you look back at it, it was really just God leading us because none of the state agencies or anybody else were, were able to do anything that year. Uh, Samaritan's Purse was the only one to be able to go out there and build and complete eight houses. And I'm not bragging. Just God did this. We went to Spinards, which is a big home building supply owned here in Alaska. And they had kind of house kits where these things are already kind of pre-cut and just packaged. We talked to them and we got the house kits from them. Um, we selected a, a model and then we got volunteer teams to come up and we got all these the material on the barge. But it's it's the you got to have electricians, you got to have plumbers, you got to have the the um, just all the plumbing things that you need to have for a house, and teams to be able to put that together. And within well, by the November, I remember I went out there Thanksgiving, and we took uh, we had a little service to to um, thank God, and we gave every house a frozen turkey uh, for Thanksgiving. And they were so grateful to have the turkey and to have a brand new home to move into. And it really was uh, incredible just to be able to do it. But that just started. We realized uh, the next year we went back, built the church there at Hooper Bay. Um, and we wanted the church to be like a, a youth center for the village. And we, we put a snack shop in it. Like, and uh, Jimmy Furman came up, taught them how to cook hamburgers because he owned uh, 70 Wendy's hamburgers. So he set it up just like a Wendy's on the inside. Taught them how to make hamburgers and hot dogs. And the natives up here, and you think in Alaska would not want ice cream. They love ice cream. Milkshakes, so we should show them how to make milkshakes and uh, set up a little ice cream bar. And so on Sunday, it was the church. Uh, Wednesday, it was the church. But during the rest of the week, it was a youth center.
So uh, that was just the beginning. We saw the value of what a, a church well run that had like a youth center connected with it, what it could do to these villages, the, the impact it could have on the villages. And uh, that, that started it. And now we work, I think we've had over 32 projects over the years uh, here in Alaska and rural Alaska. Uh, we have airplanes up here, cargo planes, so we can get in and out easily with these teams. So it's, uh, but at the same time, it's been fun. I like a challenge. Yeah. Something that was special for me up here being this summer, because some of my greatest memories with you are flying. They're some of the most special memories that I have just sitting to the right of you and watching you fly and watch what you love. But this year, Margaret, my little girl, five years old, <laughs> got to fly for the first time as co-pilot with her grumps. Um, my All the grandchildren, 13 grandchildren, I can't even keep track now. 12. 12. They call my dad grumps. <laughs> I think it started as gramps, and over the time it turned into grumps. But uh, Margaret was so excited to fly with you. I don't think she stopped talking the entire time. She, she wanted to, um, <laughs> as we were flying through Lake Clark Pass, um, I would try to point things out to her. And after a while, you kind of run out of things to point out. But she would say, uh, Grumps, tell me a story. And uh, so I told her about Dick Furman, where he crashed. I told her where B. Allsworth crashed his helicopter. And uh, then um, wanted me to sing a song. And, Did you sing her a song? Well, <laughs> and then she wanted another story. And um, so it was, uh, she talked my ears off all the way for the hour and 10 minutes we were flying, but it was fun having her, enjoyed it. And it's, um, it's so, you know, it's, here in Alaska, the reason uh, um, your mother and I bought our cabin up here is because after our first year, but we saw how much you all enjoyed the fishing and the outdoors in just Alaska. And that's why we just said, we're going to buy a cabin and uh, have this place to come to. Yeah, was, we have some a lot of family memories, and it's been pretty mm -hmm. special. And I'm glad I get to share it with my kids now, mm -hmm. and they get to see you. Um, you're considered a public figure. And to me, you're just my dad. I often tell people the example you've set before the world to never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the example you set for us in the home. So for me, when there's been life decisions where I take a stand in the classroom at App State or um, with different friends or now even in ministry, it hasn't been difficult for me because I had that example of you. And I've shared the story of when I was a little girl, and I don't think I've ever shared that with you until today, is when I was eight years old, sitting at home, just you and me, and I watched a pastor on TV really compromise the gospel. And I remember that moment, you would, my dad would never have done that. And not to say that in a bragging way, but I'm thankful that God allowed me to see that through a father. And I always tease, you always get the gospel in somehow, whether it's even you got 30 seconds on TV. Now, I have a question. In some of those moments, are you sitting there wondering, how am I going to get the gospel in in this small time on TV? Well, I, I pray, Sissy. And I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, you've, you've, this is a, a platform you've given me today to be on this program. And I want to be faithful to you. And I want to lift up the name of your son. I want to honor you. So help me. And I just pray a prayer like that. And then the interview will start. 
And I've learned in the interview, you don't have to answer the question necessarily that they ask you. Or you can answer it in one sentence and then go right into something that you're wanting to say. And I try to use an opportunity to share the gospel every time. And there have been times I haven't been able to do it for whatever reason. But uh, I try to do it every time. I mean, that's on my mind. How can I lift up Christ? How can I present His name? And we, we do live in a world where there's a lot of compromise. And, and people want to be liked. But Jesus warned us. And He told us that um, they hated me first. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Um, and if the world speaks well of you, then you're not living for Christ. Um, the, the world uh, is going to hate us because of the standards that we set. And we, we set the standards of God in, in His Word. And that's the standard. And if somebody wants to have a different standard, then I'm not going to go with them. We're going to go with the Word of God, what it, what it says, what it teaches. And a lot of people want to uh, dismiss parts of God's Word. Now, there, there's a, many people today that don't accept the Old Testament. And, uh, and it, Jesus preached from the Old Testament. The apostles preached from the Old Testament. And the, the Old Testament is just as relevant today as it was uh, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. It's, uh, it's the Word of God and God's Word from cover to cover. I don't always understand it all. A lot of it I don't understand, but I believe it all. I just take it by faith and just, just simply believe it. The difficult passages... Um, I'll just pray and ask God to give me wisdom, uh, to give me a, a deeper understanding of what He's wanting to communicate. But we only have so many days of life, so many hours to live. And um, at 67, I don't know how many years I have left, but I want to try to make those years count. And uh, I want to honor the Lord. I want to preach to as many people as I can um, and try to be a, a witness to other Christians and other pastors and, a, and an encouragement to them if I can. So I think as you get older, you realize the importance of the Word of God. That's the only thing that we can trust is the Word of God, the only thing. And you, we cannot rewrite it. We can't manipulate His Word to try to make it fit what we're wanting to do or believe. We just have to accept His by faith. And and, his, and, and follow His commands. God wants obedience. He wants us to be obedient. And uh, when you children were growing up, your mother and I, we demanded obedience. God demands obedience. And uh, we want to obey Him and live for Him. You mentioned us living in a compromising culture. We live in a society that is anti-God. It hates God. It's beginning to attack Christians I think we're becoming a politically correct world where Christians fear sometimes to speak up on their faith, even in just small scenarios uh, and how to navigate through the world with their faith, but also a culture that's changing. And a quote that Daddy Bill, I call my grandfather Daddy Bill, a quote that Daddy Bill says is, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that. I believe 
you were that voice for so many Christians around the world, and especially here in the United States, that you give them courage to take a stand. And we see that you have, um, and you've come along Christians who have been persecuted, um, like Jack Phillips, the baker. Um, Tell us about your time with Jack. Um, And for those who don't know, Jack's a baker out of Colorado. There was a couple that came into his shop one day and wanted a wedding cake for their same-sex marriage. This was a couple he had served before, but he said, I don't want to participate uh, in the wedding because of his religious beliefs. And you've gotten to know Jack over the years. And how would you encourage people and even encourage people like Jack who have been persecuted, who might lose their businesses, what would you say to these people who are facing this kind of persecution? Well, Cecilia, um, it's hard. Um, it puts their, their livelihood at risk because you keep going to court, keep going to court, paying the lawyers, paying the lawyers to defend you. The other side has an uh, unlimited amount of resources, and the, the person defending themselves don't. And so... Uh, it's very difficult because they, they lose everything. And so that persecution, I appreciate Jack Phillips standing and not compromising. And uh, it didn't give in. And uh, there have been people come along to help him. But you keep getting sued, you keep getting sued, and then you keep losing uh, your income. As you know, in some cases, uh, people quit coming to your shop. But I asked Barnell Schultzman uh, from the florist in Washington State. She said, we can't do weddings anymore because we can't discriminate. So we just don't do flowers for weddings. But she said, um, the funeral business is picked up. And so God has brought a business to them, uh, provided the flowers for the, for the funerals. So I appreciate people taking a stand, but it's very difficult, Sissy, until you've been in persecution to understand it. You know, it's very easy for us to say how great these people are that have stood and to criticize those that haven't stood. Uh, but I, I, I want to be very careful not to criticize people that under persecution that have folded or have backed up. I want to encourage them to stand strong, but I'm not going to criticize them mm-hmm. um, because um, we don't know. A persecution could come to us one day, and we would want to pray that we could stand, mm-hmm. and um, like others have. You often make it, whether it's behind a podium or if it's on national television or if it's an article, you make it look very easy to stand boldly and unashamed of the gospel. Are there ever times that you're nervous or scared to take a stand? I don't, I don't think it's to, nervous to take a stand for, for the gospel. Uh, nervous that I, would, I won't communicate it right, or maybe uh, I will misspeak. And that, I've done that before, where I said things, but that didn't come out the way I wanted to say it. And, you know, because we get... You know, a person will ask you the questions, uh, an interview person, and you're you're thinking as you're as you're trying to answer the question, and so sometimes you just misspeak, and you realize as you get back home and you listen to the interview, oh, you know, I didn't want to say that. I wish I hadn't said that. Um, I wish I had said it this way instead of that way. So I mean, sometimes it, it just doesn't come out right. But I, I'm not afraid, sissy. 
and I know that we're going to be attacked, the attacks sometimes are even more and more vicious. And when you when you read Twitter, how how vicious Twitter is of what people say, uh, even if you're just trying to express your point of view, and how you you are attacked for your point of view, it is what it is. But it's the world we're living in. And it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. And I would encourage pastors to not only stand strong, but individual Christians who are listening, stand strong. Don't be afraid. Uh, Lift up Christ because this world is coming to an end. And I believe we're in the last hours on God's clock. I believe we could be in the midnight hour. And how much time does that mean? Does that mean we have years? Does it mean we have... A century or two left? I have no clue. But I think wherever I go around the world, there's a sense among the churches that the time is here and it's near and he's coming and we had better be ready. You often receive the criticism that you're not like your dad, that Daddy Bill didn't get involved politically. He didn't uh, talk about social issues. And for people that say that, I have a couple of responses is, well, that's not true, that my grandfather did get involved sometimes and did take stands on social issues, but also is that you're not your dad. Yeah. God's called you for a different mm-hmm. purpose with a different calling. He called Billy Graham for a purpose, and he's called Franklin Graham, and he's called my brother Will. He's called each of us to a different calling, and that God has called you for a specific purpose. But are there times that you can remember Daddy Bill taking a fearless stand, but maybe the world criticized him or even the church attacked him? Well, uh, Sissy, when I was growing up, segregation was a big issue. Society was separated, segregated. Uh, Black people could not eat in a a restaurant. They'd have to go around to the back of the kitchen and be served out the back window. Uh, So this was just the life in which my father grew up in and when I was born. This was the way our country was, especially the South. So um, my father, when he started, uh, your grandfather, when he started his ministry, he decided that he was not going to have segregated meetings. And so they were in, I think it was Chattanooga, and the local committee that had invited him had put up ropes to separate uh, the, the audience, where you had the blacks on one side, the whites on the other. And so my father said, I want those ropes to come down. I'm not going to speak to a segregated audience. And they said, but we're not going to take them down. So my father walked off the platform, went down and took the ropes down himself. And uh, so uh, a number of the prominent churches in town, the white churches, pulled out. And uh, they just got in their cars and left. Well, um, you know, it would have been very easy for my father maybe to compromise a little bit on that and and um, But he didn't. And as a result of that, uh, God just blessed and opened up even more doors of ministry uh, for my father. Uh, evangelist, when my father was starting off, uh, did not have a good name. Um, they, there was not accountability. They would come into a community, they would take up offerings, and they'd leave with large offering buckets of money, but there was no accountability. And my father just said, uh, we're going to have accountability. And uh, we're going to have our, our finances audited. We'll have a board of directors that set our salaries. Um, I'm not going to just take a love offering. So I'll take a set salary that would be 
given by the board of directors. And my father set a standard. Your grandfather set this standard, um, which uh, many organizations follow today. But he was criticized for that. Other evangelists said, you're ruining evangelism. They had their own agenda. And my father was holding them accountable by setting the example himself. And my father was very careful with uh, finances all of his life. Uh, the Billy Graham Evangelist Association, like Samaritan's Purse, were audited every year. And then uh, we provide that audit to the, to the public uh, to see where the, how the funds were used and where they were used. And then, uh, Sissy, it's uh, very important that in life you have credibility, that if you say something, people believe you. And they, they may not agree with you, but they know that you're going to be honest. And God's watching, and um, He's keeping the score. So we want to be faithful to Him. We, want to, we, we can't be afraid. My father, again, he, he was criticized for going to, uh, to Eastern Europe. Uh, in the 1970s, he got an invitation to go to Hungary. And a man by the name of Dr. Alexander Harasti, uh, well, he was a medical doctor. Uh, he, he had five earned PhDs, but he was also an MD. And uh, he was living in Atlanta, but he was from Hungary. And he got an opportunity for my father to go behind the Iron Curtain uh, to speak at a university where they were going to be giving him a degree. And my father went and spoke and presented the gospel and uh, as a result of that, Dr. Rosti was able to get him into all of the former um, East European countries. And so my father was in East Germany preaching. He went to Romania. He went to Poland. He went to Hungary. All of these countries were communist countries. And God opened up a door for him to go. Now, he was criticized by pastors, evangelical pastors in this country. Billy Graham is compromising. He's being used by the communist. And my father's re response was, well, maybe I'm using them. And um, so, I mean, he was criticized. Uh, I mean, it, it was just, it was unfair criticism. And my father just took that risk. He was invited to go to Russia to speak at a peace conference. And you had, you had all these religious leaders from all over the world there. And it was um, a show for the communist. And my father went, and he talked about Jesus Christ being the peace of the world, mm. and how the, that before we could have peace with country to country, we had to have peace with God. And if we have peace with God, then we can have peace with our fellow man. And my father just did an incredible job presenting Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace uh, at a peace conference that was held by the communists. And the, the audience was stunned. They had never heard this before, and they wanted to know more. And as a result of this, it opened up doors for my father to go to North Korea and to all of these communist countries, even China, to preach. So um, he, he, he didn't back down. He was faithful. And um, so I come along. I want to, I want to be faithful. And uh, if we run our ministries based on criticism, someone may criticize us then we're not going to get anything done. And we're seeing that in a lot today is there might be a pastor who takes a stand on, on something, but if they receive any criticism, is people are afraid to receive criticism, 
whether or to lose their numbers, to lose uh, donations, whether it's to lose even social media followers, they're scared of criticism and they'll quickly retract what they say. And I have just learned that when we do take a stand, and like you said earlier, is the world will come against us as they came against Jesus and they hated Jesus, that they'll hate us, that we can expect the criticism when you stand um, with an unwavering faith. We have to pray that God gives us the strength to stand because it's his strength that allows us to do it. Um, And if we think we are strong, we better be careful because that's about when we're going to fall. Mm -hmm. And we have to pray and go on our knees and asking God to give us the strength to be faithful to him because it's very difficult and the world is going to get much, much worse. This is, I mean, we're fine right now. It's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, for for people who um, who have spoken out on moral issues, that have spoken against abortion, that have spoken against homosexuality, um, there it's going to get very difficult for everybody. We talk a lot about Daddy Bill, mm-hmm. but obviously you're very close to your mom, who mm-hmm. I call Tete, mm-hmm. and I often. Um, it's now that I'm older, I miss her even more mm-hmm. because when she passed, I hadn't lived life yet. I hadn't become a mom. I wasn't a wife. Um, and I hadn't really faced a lot of the world challenges. So it was now that I get to know her even more because I study her writings and feel like I get a lot of her advice through even just some of her poetry mm-hmm. and stuff. But what do you miss most about Tete? I think I miss her prayers. There's something about, I remember um, a pastor friend of mine we were in California, and his um, mother had died about the same time as Teddy. So I, I just, when I was with him, I just said, um, sorry about your mom. He said, you know, Franklin, I, I've since, I don't have the covering that I used to have. I feel a little bit naked. I believe my mother's prayers. I missed her prayers, the covering of my mother's prayers. And I thought about that. I thought, he's right. Uh, my mother, the last many years of her life, I mean, she was pretty much house-ridden or bedridden, and I think uh, her ministry was praying for her, for her children and grandchildren, and um, and I sense that there's a loss when when my mother passed away of those prayers for for us children. So, um, of course, uh, Teddy was fearless, and you know, right was right, uh, wrong was wrong. Um, and she had it. She could back up her position with scripture, and you could not argue with her. If you tried to argue with her, then you'd better you'd better know the word of God like she did, because she memorized large portions of scripture, and she memorized the scripture up uh, till the month she died. She had it printed out in real big letters, like three inches tall. Of course, her her she had macular degeneration, so uh, they had to have the scriptures printed with a special printer. And um, she was still memorizing scripture. And, uh, but I think for, for all of us, if we're going to take a stand, we've got to know God's word, what it says, and then we've got to believe it. And if we believe it, then we live it. And if we live it, we stand for it. And if other people want to compromise, they can certainly do that, but there's consequences. If you disobey God, if you disobey his rules, there's consequences. There's hell. And hell is a real place. 
And for those that reject God, that reject his son, Jesus Christ, when you stand before God and your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, you will be thrown into the lake of fire. And uh, for eternity, we're, we're tormented. People try to present God as a God of love. Well, he is, but he is also a God of judgment. And, uh, and when you're cast into hell, that's for eternity, where we're tormented night and day. A person's going to be tormented night and day. And, it's, and there is no escape. And there's no second chance at that point. And we have to believe this and have conviction enough to tell others and warn them that this is what happens. If you don't repent of your homosexuality, if you don't repent of your adultery, if you don't repent of your, your sins and, and turn to Christ and ask for forgiveness, then hell awaits for eternity. That's, that's, that's your reward for this life. So you better, you better wake up and come to your senses and, and repent. And God is willing to forgive our sins. He's willing to do it, but the only way he can do that is through faith in Christ. Jesus is the one who took our sins. He's the one who died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins, and God raised him to life. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. There's not many roads to heaven. There's only one road. It goes through the cross. It goes through Christ. Um, there are people out there that believe in many gods, and there are people out there believe that they're gods. And you have all kinds of religions, but there's only one gospel. You have thousands of religions, but only one gospel. And uh, the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish. And that's what I'm talking about, the judgment that's coming, perishing. And we don't have to be afraid of perishing if we put our faith and trust in him. Like I said earlier, you're an encouragement to those, Dad. And I'm just I'm thankful for just the boldness you take and how you make the gospel simple. You say that you're 67 years old and you don't know how many days you have left. But as you think about Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, what is your, your heart for both of these ministries at 67 years well, old? I think, Sissy, we want to continue uh, in the Billy Graham Association to preach the gospel. Uh, Samaritan's Purse, we still want to respond to the crises around the world, the wars, the famines, the storms, the political upheavals, where we can go in and minister to people and do it in Christ's name. Uh, how important that is, that we do that. Uh, we've got, um, at the Billy Graham Association, we have an opportunity to keep preaching the gospel. And, um, and as long as we have the funds and uh, people give us the resources, we're going to keep preaching the gospel and taking it to other countries, taking it to other cities, other communities, other states. In uh, 2016, we went to all 50 state capitals, had a prayer meeting, praying for our country. But at the same time, I gave a gospel message and gave an invitation, and people got saved in every state. And we've been going back, focusing on certain states like Tennessee and Texas. And I just finished a swing through New England. And uh, now I'm getting ready to go to North Carolina and, uh, and taking, I think it's uh, seven cities in North Carolina. And um, again, that's my, our home state. Just go preach, give the gospel, give an invitation. Uh, how much time we have left to do this, I don't know. 
but I'm going to keep doing it while I can. As long as I have the strength, I'm going to keep doing it. So 67, maybe I can do it at 68. Maybe I can do it at 69. Maybe I can do it at 70. Maybe I can keep doing it when I'm in my 80s. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. And you say, what's my vision? I want us to be faithful to what God has called us to be. Um, like with Daddy Bill died, grandfather. People said, well, what are you going to change at the Billy Graham Association? I'm not going to change nothing. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing. We're not changing nothing. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're not changing. And um, I've had people from time to time want to change Samaritan's Purse. Uh, no, we're not changing. Why change? We're, we're, what we're doing, God has called us to, to do this. We're going to do it. And I've had people try to, well, maybe Samaritan's Purse should do this, and maybe Samaritan's Purse should do that. Why? Let's just do what we've been doing. Not Why change? Um, it works, and God has blessed it. So when God's blessing something, you don't change it. Hmm. Well, Dad, just listening to you this afternoon, and I get emotional because I'm just very thankful. And I'm thankful for a dad. I'm thankful for a mom and grandparents who have just been obedient to God's calling on their life. And it hasn't been easy being the son of Billy Graham and... um finding what God has called you to do, but you've always been faithful and obedient to what God's called you to do and to what Scripture says. And I'm so thankful for that example. And I pray that I'm that example for for my kids and their kids. And like I said earlier, you are an encouragement to so many around this country and around the world who um, might feel afraid to take a stand in their faith, but you are that encouragement that helps stiffen the spines of men. And I'm thankful for that, Dad. And thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, sis. It's been fun being with you. I want to thank you for joining my dad and me on today's episode of Fearless. I hope you can leave this episode feeling encouraged to find a fearless faith in this compromising culture that we continue to face every day. I want to also encourage you, my dad is so active on his social media and is fun to follow. I encourage you to follow him on Instagram and Facebook. But also, if you're in the North Carolina and Florida areas, my dad is coming through both of those states soon with the Decision America Tour. And you can check out those dates on BillyGraham.org. Once again, thank you for joining me on today's episode of Fearless. Follow me, Sissy Graham Lynch, on Facebook and Instagram. I was a